to Inside the Recording Studio. I am Jody Whitesides, and with me, as always, is Mr. Chris Hellstrom. How are you today, Chris? I'm doing okay, Jody. Just okay? Doing okay. Just okay? Yeah. Had some personal issues, car thingies going on, but I won't bore everything with that. But just, uh, yeah, a little bit bummed out, but things will be okay. Yes, I can understand. You told me the story. That's awful. Uh, Yeah. So, uh, today we are going to dive right into our subject, which is going to be the difference between the concept of mastering and or processing your mix on a two bus, right? right. Is that, did I say that yeah. correctly? I feel like I didn't. I think that was pretty good. Yeah. And this is a, um, listener request. It is. Actually. So this comes from our listener, Justin Burner. Thank you for the suggestion, Justin. And um, I think it's a good one. We have touched on this a little bit in a prior episode in preparing your tracks for mastering, but um, it, I think it, it warrants, warrants a further, deeper dive. Something of that nature. Yes. Okay. I think so. So um, Are you ready I think to dive? we should probably... We should, yeah, I think we'll dive right in, shall we? You, go right we got ahead. Our, got, our, got our scuba gear on. We're, we're ready to go. Um, I think the first thing that we should do is probably do a little bit of a explanation of the history of mastering or what traditional all mastering was. Okay. Right, as opposed to what it kind of is today. So it today has I changed. Think it has changed. It has changed, definitely. Um where today I think most people think about mastering as a primary issue of just loudness. Make my track loud. I want it loud. I want to feel it in my chest. Thump me in the groin. So, Right. So (laughs) it's uh, not always the case that that's just what mastering is, right? Now that's, we'll leave that alone. That's not just what what it is. But but there are other things that... um, tend to happen and with mastering. And it could be slight, and this is still present today, but it could be slight fixes in EQ. Yes. Keyword there being slight, right? Slight. We're not, you know, completely uh, reshaping things because then you probably have issues with your mix. But it's that, and also getting tracks to sound cohesive. From uh, one to days, another. Uh, from one to another, right? So, um Assuming that's the desired result, which in the case of an album, it tended to be, right? They, they should sound that they kind of belong together, right? Sure. It's not like, and you don't have to go and reach for the volume knob that when the next track comes on, right? Or anything like that. Or one is really, really bass heavy and the other one is top heavy. They're supposed to sound cohesive, like it's one big slab of work. Right? Yes. So, and, and that, uh, to kind of just say one big slab, because a lot of people now are releasing mm-hmm. singles. Sure. So mastering for a particular single is not exactly the same as mastering for an entire album, as you say. So right. that's one area of distinction where the mastering process has actually changed a bit because mastering for a single is maybe you're comparing the single to some other release that the artist has already done or some other or another single or another album of content that an, the artist wants their single to sound roughly similar to in terms right. of the volume and everything else. So those are both very good things to, to say, yes, that's yeah. what mastering had to do with. Right. And other things that we'll 
I think mentioned a little bit more in passing, but but it used to be also um, thinking about track order, possibly like for in the case of an album, yes. uh, taking care of fade outs and that kind of thing. That that might have been a lot more in the past where we hear like ride outs on the song, where it just kind of fades away. We don't hear that so much anymore. But but that those were all jobs done by the mastering engineer. Right. Making sure that, you know, everything flows nicely. Yeah. The, and another additional thing was the actual spacing between songs. That yeah. was another job of the mastering engineer when it came to the assembly of the album when it was multiple songs. So right. uh, there's a whole but, other bit of context that could go into that, but that becomes now in today's world, a disc assembly mastering person rather than just the mastering engineer, generally speaking. Yeah. I think you should mention the thing that you used to do on your albums there before we move on with the track spacing, because I think it's really interesting. Just, can you give us just like a short, uh, uh, sure. your, your, <laughs> your, your method, I, just keep it short, but it's, it's really cool. And it's, it's, it's certainly food for thought. I it think, is. So. Well, yeah. Give okay. us a quick rundown. What I used to do is that I would take the groove of the track that was ending and I would the sit tempo, the, the mean, tempo right? yeah. and I'd be sitting there and I'd be snapping my fingers and feeling it out. And as the song fades away, I would give one to two measures of whatever mm -hmm. tempo that was. And then I would figure out the exact time length that that was down to like the split second, because in CD mastering, you could do that. And then yeah. I would start the downbeat of the next song on that exact downbeat of that next measure. So that as yeah. you were grooving along in your heads, bobbing from the previous song, boom, the next downbeat comes on the next song and you're right into the next song. And it's like a seamless transition. And the interesting thing about doing that when I added the extra time at the end of a file when I was bouncing it out for the CD assembly people when they assembled it is he actually noticed it. Yeah. And he said, You're mastering the, engineer. Yeah, had, the mastering yeah. engineer noticed it. And he said, in all of the thousands of songs and CDs that he had ever done, he had never heard anyone ever do that. And so that was like, yay, somebody noticed. <laughs> Kind of thing. See, that's cool. It that, is. Yeah, that's really cool. Yeah, yeah. And it just keeps Lost the flow of the disc from front to back going the entire time, and there's no dropping right. of the beat anywhere, kind of thing. Yeah. No, that that is cool. That is, that is really cool. So there's a little side note, but I wanted you to mention that because I thought that that was kind of like a really really cool. Um, but in today's when we're talking about mastering, I, how things have changed or, or at least morphed, I think. Yes. Um, is when we're in the past and in today, but but in a little bit of a different uh, circumstance, I think. But things like mastering for vinyl, right, uh, versus mastering for CD was yes. was drastically different because you didn't have the bandwidth, so to speak, to work with with vinyl because there was a limit to how deep the grooves could get and all this kind of thing. So, well, there still is that limit. It's not like that limit has gone away. No, but but I think also it has changed slightly in that the some of the vinyl coming out now is heavier and actually uses more material. So I I think that the uh, now somebody please correct me if I'm wrong on this, but I think that is to combat that to a certain degree because I sure. think as there's more vinyl, um, it has 
it can potentially make deeper grooves Groups, and things, right. and therefore, you know, more more low end. Um, but but that that's something that you know we have talked about in the past as well, where you talked about mastering for different even formats. different streaming platforms. Oh yeah, and, and that kind of thing. Yeah, for sure. So. Well, and, so and that, that, the reason why I, I would go that far is because 2 dB of difference is pretty substantial. A lot of people might think it's not, but it actually is. And as we yeah. go a little further into this podcast, we'll explain that you can get a pretty big difference even in 1 dB. So it, it's that's the reason why I like to do mastering concepts for specific platforms because – every master is going to have its key component that it works for. Now, there are other mastering guys that feel like they can do one master to rule them all, like the Lord of the Rings, you know, the, the main <laughs> ring kind of thing, and that their one yeah. master will work across all formats. And, and more power to them. I think that's fantastic if you can make that work. I just don't feel like I have that kind of savvy. I can't do it. I have to go yeah. per platform. And that's just me. But I also think about what is the platform? What is its limitations? And how do I approach getting to those limitations in the process yeah. of getting the master done? Yeah. So that's my reasoning behind I mean, that. Yeah. Um, this is something that, that you mentioned in last week's episode when we talked about work ethic and, and mm -hmm. this type of thing. We, we were discussing burnout, but um, where you tend to essentially go above and beyond when you're working with a project. So I think this sort of speaks to sort of like your mindset where you think that if it's, if it's going to end up on platform X, Y, or Z, there might be different parameters that I'm dealing with. So right. it's something that, that – you know, everyone will choose if they deem that that's important. But I know that that's something that you're a big proponent of. And, you know, you could argue and do the old saying like, well, the music is that important, then pay attention to it and bring it to its fullest, right? <laughs> yeah, I don't want to take uh, away from guys that are, you know, cutting one master to rule them all, so to speak, because those guys, that's all they do is mastering. So they might know sure. something that... You know, I don't because I'm not just a mastering guy. Yeah. So. No, I'm sure. And, you know, again, it's their arena, right? They have they have the tools, they have the rooms more than likely, they have the ears and they have the experience, right? So um, I'm sure the guys that do that know exactly what they're doing. But it's something to consider if you're if you're going to go for different different platforms. Exactly. Um, so with that, yes. why don't we take a quick break for a word from our sponsors? And we're back. What are we talking about now? We're talking about processing on the master bus, aren't we? Yeah, because now we're we're kind of getting into the meat here a little bit more of of this uh, this topic where we have now a, hopefully a historical perspective of what mastering used to be. Mm -hmm. um, I think. A lot of people today that that grown up with DAWs and things to think, okay, well, we alluded to that mastering is just making shit loud. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to hit. I'm going to put my L2 on on the master bus. And I'm going to crank the snot out of it. Right? And I'm going to push uh, it all the way to point oh uh, minus point oh one. And it's oh, going to if rock. you're lucky, it's why if you can go louder, just go louder, and then you wonder why it sounds like 
Death Magnetic. I'm sorry, was that <laughs> out loud? Um, no, but in all seriousness, um, both you and I are big proponents of Game separating the stages of what you're doing as well, right? Mm -hmm. you're, you're mixing and then mastering is a separate stage. Um, I think the processing on your two bus during the, the mixing stage can have some compression on there, but it's important to not think of that as your, your final output. You know, it's like th th this is going to be the, the, the level that it's going to be at. I have to maximize this and then I'm going to master it and it's going to get even louder. Well, it doesn't quite work that way, right? So um, I tend to use some compression on my two bus, mm -hmm. but I know you use a little bit less, but you're also using it in stages. So um, when it comes to, what, what's your thought? Actually, I've been babbling on here. What's your thought <laughs> on, the, on the separation of the, the mixing glue, if you will, as opposed to mastering? Well, mixing glue is an interesting concept because while I don't tend to put something on the two bus, it has more to do with my templates than anything else. Yeah. Because you do use compression, don't you? But it, I in do, different, but I in do, different buses. I do it in different buses and I do it in a different way than just putting it on the two bus. And in a sense, I don't even add them until after the mix is technically done. And it becomes like this minor little thing that I add at the end and the type of compression that I tend to add doesn't do a whole lot to the front end and it's literally just kind of to shave little teeny bits of of the sound and to bring up the spatial relationship so it's harder to say because it's it's because i have three two buses as my combined mix to the two bus it's a yeah. little different um but that's not to say that uh, I don't use a little compression on each of those two of those final buses that go to the final two bus. I just don't do anything on the two bus at the end. And yeah. uh, I, I feel like I do so much work to the mix that I don't really technically need it on the two bus at the end. Mm -hmm. And I just want the mastering stage to do its job the way it does its job, you know, depending on who I'm hiring for doing that mastering stage. You know, I hire somebody specifically because of the job that they can do on the material that I want them to master for, if that sure. makes any sense. So, yeah. uh, but that's not to say that I wouldn't put something on the two bus in terms of maybe a little bit of EQ or a little bit of compression, but it also depends on, do I feel like it needs it? And often by the time it reaches my two bus, I don't feel like it needs it. So. Yeah. Well, you said a keyword in there that you said was a little bit or yes. slight. It's very slight. Right. Mm -hmm. And that, that I think is important. It's an important word to keep in mind because any processing that you're doing on your two bus, it should be, at least in my opinion, and I think yours as well, it should be just a minor corrections or sweetening things that you have there. If you find yourself having to be 
too heavy-handed on your two bus, well, then your mix is wrong. You're probably better off going back and revisiting your mixing than the processing on the two bus because that kind of shines a light that there are other issues with your mix. Yes. So if you find that, oh, I have to boost like 10 dB at 100, well, then there's probably <laughs> something you're missing out of something whack somewhere. in your mix. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Are you sure you didn't mute the bass? You know? Um, so there are small things that are there, but I think it's it's important to think the same idea with EQ and compression on your two bus. I'm thinking um, I like to use like a focus right style compressor on mm -hmm. my two bus, either that or an SSL thing. Um, but I tend to use, you know, it, we're, we're tickling it here. It's, it's like <laughs> one to maybe three dB at the most in, in cases, right? If there right. are things that, that are happening there. So it's not like we're squashing things right there. And I'm certainly not thinking of sort of maximizing volume or anything like that at that stage. Far from it. I, you know, I let the mastering stage define the volume because, as we have mentioned in other episodes, if you mix too loud and you want to get a mix done for, say, Apple Music, which mm -hmm. is one of the quieter services at minus 16 LUFS, if your mix goes to the mastering guy at minus 12, you're 4 dB louder than Apple's going to want it. So to speak, yeah. you're not going to get the uh, the the what do they call it? The made for I or made for Apple made mix. For, uh, yeah, it used to be thing. like the made for iTunes or master for iTunes. Or yeah, now it's like mastered that, right? for Apple yeah. Music kind of thing. Of which right. I actually I have that designation. I can master for uh, for for Apple Music, which is a fun yeah. designation to have. Um, but you have to be very careful because you have to know all the steps that went in prior to the mastering stage for that and make sure that you're mastering appropriately where there's no clipping and there's no certain things happening and you deliver it at a level that they want and it's not like you're gain reductioning it that many dB kind of thing. Yeah. And if they discover that you've done it, apparently they can yank your status of being able to master for Apple Music. Uh-oh. Yeah, so we don't want that. Well, yeah. I certainly don't. <laughs> right? No, no, of course. Um, but so again, the the difference here, I think, when you are so well, I think talking to, to yeah, kind go of go along with your thing here. You're mm -hmm. you're you're talking about using certain kinds of compressors, like the Focusrite, as you mentioned, and an SSL. And mm -hmm. I'm going to guess the SSL G bus is what you're talking about. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm a slaker, so it's it's basically a, a yeah the, the, the emulation of that. So yeah. when we're when he's when I'm going to kind of put words in your mouth, Chris, and say that Go when you're it. saying that you're tickling it from about one to three dB, uh, mm -hmm. my my tickling would probably be on the lower end of like the one dB thing. You you might want to clarify how far you go, but uh, what you're really trying to say is is that. You're not throwing a limiter on there and then like literally cranking the shit out of it and lopping no, all the tops no, no. off is what you're meaning. No, so you're, you're literally saying not. it's just a little bit of compression and not limiting to control some sort of sound. Kind yeah, of it, yeah. When I'm when I'm doing this, it has essentially nothing to do with trying to make it loud. Mm -hmm. It's just trying to making it a little bit more cohesive, where um, essentially just 
bringing down the, those those peaks, right? That that can poke out, um, and it's just it's strictly for the sound of it. Now the benefit could be that it actually brings up the lower end of of the track, right? So it makes it it could make it sound a little bit fuller. Um, another but benefit. That's what I'm. Another yeah. benefit, as you're trying to talk about benefits here, is that if you've got spatial relationships going on with the reverbs and delays that you've added into the mix to create space, mm-hmm. that little bit of compression glue or or whatever you want to call it on your two bus, which is not the same thing as the mastering thing, can bring up that yeah. spatialness to actually give the space a better feel. That would be another reason that I might put a compressor on the two buses to do that. And another reason might also be to tighten up the groove a little bit of something, just a hair Mm -hmm. to kind of bring a little more definition to something that's happening. Yeah. It's an interesting process that we we've talked about this sort of off camera here as well, but Mm -hmm. how very small changes or very small values can have a large impact, uh, once we sort of know what to listen for, yes. right? If you're, yeah, if, if if somebody goes, oh, okay, well, listen to what happens to the kick, you know, you can kind of focus in on that. Or like you mentioned, the spatial awareness, right? If anybody's ever, I'm sure everybody has, but if you have like a vocal bus and you're sending your, your vocal reverb to that same bus, and then you, you might apply some compression to that, notice how much bigger or how much more prominent that, that, reverb can become sure. right so uh it's listening to those and then you get to think about what all that is doing on on your two bus like it's coming out so it does affect all of those things but um so i i don't those are that's the cosmetics right what yes. that i consider on, on the two bus small changes i'm not thinking of anything for like you know oh this is gonna you know i'll just again that it's it's a joke at this point, right? For us, at least. But to put you, lipstick you know, you, on a pig? No, I'm just kidding. No, well, well, yeah. In this case, like a limiter on your mask or your master out, right? <laughs> right. So it's like, yeah, just crank that bad boy because because louder's always better, can, right? Obviously, mm. yeah. Um, but um, you have to give when you're when you're handing off your tracks to to be mastered, or indeed if you're doing it yourself, right? Which I don't. We don't recommend, recommend. that. Yeah. yeah, it's good to have a, a separate set of ears. Um, is to, you want to give that person something to work with, yes. right? Some dynamic range or anything. You, you want to have them, you know, sounding as ready as possible where he can, he or she can just put the final little touches on the, in the mastering. But if you've already, you know, limited the crap out of it, there's no dynamic, dynamic range. What are they going to do with that? You know, um, so... The processing that goes on there should be you should try to get your your mix to sound as good as possible that you can that you can do uh, before you hand it off. And th- th- we did an episode on this mm-hmm. actually, so yes. go back to listen to that um, preparing your tracks for mastering. I think what we called it, but um, that's you know th- there's some helpful hints in there as well. So um, I think. You've reached Give the, the end. Guy. <laughs> um, no, but I think it's the, the. I think to sort of answer Justin's question here is, you know, try to think of them as two separate things. Yes. Like you're, you know, think of the first thing you're getting your mix to sound as good 
as you can. And keep your eye on levels and don't let them run rampant. Give give the mastering uh, engineer something to work with. And also, you know, I would say the tools that the mastering person is going to use are generally you know, dedicated for the task of mastering. Yes. Right? It's not, it's not you know, the so, same as buying some kind of plug-in preset thing that does the same thing to every genre or has maybe multiple presets per genre, but is like, oh, they just run this preset and it's going to sound just like this. Yeah, and it's a it you know it's a widener and it's going to have a certain slope of EQ and it's going to be a limiter on top of that, right? We all know we, we talk all the time about content dependency, right? Yes. How so th there is no one EQ curve or one compression setting that's going to work for everything, um, but that's why you hire a mastering engineer guy because they they, they know, know what they're doing. Be needed for their right. <laughs> Hopefully so, they um, know what they're doing. Right. Yeah. And if not, that they, they, yeah, uh, I'll let that be on set. But <laughs> so, well, just um, to kind of cap it off with what you're saying is when yeah. you're going to give your track to the mastering engineer, give them a little bit of dynamic range if it's supposed to be in there and don't slam your mix. Don't make yeah. it so loud that it can't be handled, so to speak. Yeah. And another thing, just to, to again wrap this up on the EQ end of mm -hmm. it, um, if you are not completely happy with the sound of your mix from some sort of like a um, frequency standpoint tweak your mix don't don't hand it off to the mastering person and think well they're gonna fix that no 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 that that's your job right <laughs> well it's that old adage right that usually when you're tracking you say oh we'll just fix it in the mix and then when you've got the mix done oh we'll just fix it in the mastering nope it, fix it at the front yeah. always fix it up front Right. So there are dedicated tools for mastering. And I would say that now I'm painting with very broad strokes here, but I would say that they're, they're designed for the task. And it's not that they can do minor adjustments because the people that do this, they can certainly do that. But I would say, you know, the, the gear is designed for that and it has more of a gentle touch. I think as a broad stroke. I know I'm not speaking for all yep. gear here, but but if you consider that, it might get you in the headspace a little bit more of what it is that needs to be done at the mastering stage, if anything. I so mean, the perfect thing would be like, yeah, no, your mix sounds great. Let's bring it up to level and then you're done, you know? <laughs> that would then be, that's the right. ideal thing, right? Because then right. the mastering engineer is like thinking, well, I've accomplished something good. And the mix engineer has accomplished something great. So, uh, well, I guess hand in hand, they'd both be great. But would it be yeah. fair to say that for today, uh, for this upcoming Tuesday tip, that mm -hmm. you can show people how to work with a little bit of compression tickling on the two bus. I think that sounds like a great idea. Fantastic. I can definitely do that. Yeah. Sweet. Yeah. So yeah. So um, are we ready? A short for episode, but but I think we're we're kind of good for that. Is there anything that you would like to add to that, Jody? No, not really. I think we've kind of covered the things that we meant to cover over the differences between mastering and the two bus processing. So why don't we move on? to Friday Finds. What have you got today, Chris? I discovered some new music uh -oh. this past week. At least new music to me. And it is a, I think it's a duo. 
but it's mm-hmm. a project. They're called League of Lights. And um, I came across my Spotify thing. Hey, you might like those. So I checked it out. Th- their album is called uh, Dreamers Don't Come Down. And I, I couldn't believe I hadn't heard that before. Because usually when I discover new music, it's oh, yeah, they've been around for 15 years. So, okay, <laughs> great, you know. Uh, but, um, yeah, just great pop songwriting. The, the production, I thought, was incredible. And it's a good song. So, yeah, th- this band League of Lights, or a duo called League of Lights, it just floored me. So I'm like, yeah, cool. people need to know about these guys. What about you? What do you got? I'm going to go with Ableton Lives 11. And I'm not mm-hmm. exactly sure how recently it came out. However, Ableton Live does some really cool things with audio. It's very soupy, and you can do some pretty wild things. In mm-hmm. addition to that, one of the reasons why I am even thinking about Ableton Live 11 right now is because someone has gone through the painstaking reality of installing all 11 versions of Ableton Live. Hmm. And made a video of opening each one to show the progression of Ableton from its Inklings beginnings at version one to what it's now become in its very completed version 11. And I think the video is roughly about a half hour long and you get to see how it progressed over time. That's really interesting. Yes. And and part yeah. of it also just kind of makes me think that Donnie and I had a little bit of hand right around version four in some of the changes that happened that aren't visual, <laughs> but more internal. <laughs> and yeah. with that, yeah. why don't we say we're ready to wrap it all up and saying that while we still have your attention and you are enjoying the podcast, we would appreciate it if you would go to inside the recording studio.com forward slash review, or you can just go to inside the recording studio dot com and click on the review link. There are a couple of different pages where you can go and leave us a review and tell everybody that, Hey, I love listening to you guys. You should listen to them too, kind of things. And it would make us happy and make you happy and make other people happy all at the same time. In addition to that, you can sign up on the email list and or go check the giveaway page because right now we have a giveaway going on and you might win something cool. And who doesn't love winning cool shit? In addition to that, send us an email at goldstar, G-O-L-D-S-T-A-R, at insidetherecordingstudio.com, and you will get something cool back in your inbox in the not-so-distant future after it hits ours. And if you have a topic of suggestion that you would like Chris and I to talk about, much like today's episode, coming to you for a young man named Justin, you can contact us on our contact page and send us that suggestion, and we'll put it into rotation just for you and for everybody else. And with that... Let's wrap the bow on it and say sayonara until next week. See you later, Jody. Have a good one, buddy.